Hi, you're listening to What's the Schemata, a schema therapy podcast for therapists. With ISST-accredited schema therapy supervisors and trainers, Chris Hayes and Rob Brockman. For more information on schema therapy, visit our website, schematherapytraining.com. Hello and welcome to What's the Schemata. This is a specialist podcast specifically for those who are, you know, using schema therapy and we are going to have a great time today. I'm excited. Um, I'm here with Rob and Rob, do you want to introduce our guests for today? Yeah, we have a very special guest today, uh, Professor uh, Anud Arts as a professor of clinical psychology at at, uh, the University of Amsterdam. And welcome, Anud. Thank you. It's um, particularly special for us because, I mean, personally, and I think on behalf of the schema, the schema therapy community, I, I really just want to say thank you for all the hard work you've done. You have done a lot of work in your career that has helped schema therapy to where it is today. And it's... Um, and imagine it's very, very, very tough work with the type of clientele and and the long work, you know, the the model. So I don't want to make you feel embarrassed or anything. And, and but... the grant, the grant funding, and working with partners, and all the other things you have to go through. So um, yeah, it was it was and it is a challenge, but uh, I think it's in the end uh, very gratifying to be able to uh, to move the field to step forward. So uh, yeah, yeah. We were warned that you were very modest and that might make you feel uncomfortable, but it it needs to be said. I think it's important. You don't get many chances (laughs) to say say thank you. So, And, you know, the the theme for today is research to practice. So um, I think all of us clinicians, we benefit from research research and people like yourself, Arnold, and we stand on your back in a way, you know. Um, So we do thank you for that. But also we want to talk about it today. Some of the things you've learned, both maybe across your career in different ways, but and also something something newer. You know what what's going on at the moment and what's going on maybe in the future. So, mm-hmm. not to cover in one in maybe one hour, but we'll we'll try our best. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I I had a way of starting, which was to talk about like I was thinking about when I first ran into your work, and it was a little while ago, and it was uh, I was reading a chapter, maybe it was Beck's chapter from Aaron Beck's chapter on uh, uh, cognitive therapy for personality disorders. There was a chapter in there in the first edition, I think, and also the second edition, uh, which was about uh, schema therapy for borderline personality disorder. Um, so the chapter on, on BPD was a chapter on uh, essentially about schema therapy. And, and you were writing this chapter. Am I right or am I dreaming this? No, in the first edition, it wasn't written by me. And in an, uh, a second, I think. Or Maybe it was first, a second edition. Yeah. Revised, and uh, I was invited to uh, to write that chapter. And uh, actually, Tim Beck uh, uh, saw um, schema therapy as a form of cognitive therapy. And it was the guy who introduced me, uh, Tim Beck introduced me to Jeffrey Young uh, when I wanted to... Uh, do a study on the treatment of borderline personality disorder. I asked uh, Tim Beck on a conference, uh, who would you recommend as a supervisor, a trainer for our therapist and a supervisor? And he turned around, he was walking in the corridor and he said, this guy walking behind me. And he pointed to Jeffrey Young. And that was very funny. Uh, So uh, that's how it all started. So I came into schema therapy uh, uh, through 
yeah, the, the founding father of Kochte therapy. Yeah. Right, right. That's yeah. a cool story. That's a cool story. Yeah. And so if he had said some other guy, then, uh, you know, all this research, it would have been in something else or, uh, you know, at least being led by something, somebody else. Sorry, uh, can you post the question again? Yeah. Uh, well, well, I guess just, it's a kind of fluke that he, he chose Jeffrey Young. It could have been somebody else. And then uh, maybe all your research would be in another direction. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So it, it seems accidental. But uh, on the other hand, uh, Tim Beck was convinced that uh, Jeff's model was um, the best uh, for uh, borderline personality disorder. So in that sense, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't a coincidence. Yeah. I think he felt that uh, these very severe patients need something extra, and that was offered in uh, in uh, Jeff's model. Now we all know that Tim was quite uh, lenient in his definition of Kochte therapy, so mm, in the yeah. end, it almost became something. If it works, it must be Kochte. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Everything's cognitive therapy. Yeah. But on yeah. the other hand, uh, I think he was uh, very tolerant about uh, uh, things like. Uh, integrating experiential uh, techniques uh, in uh, the Kochte framework and um, uh, whereas others were very strict uh, that no you can only uh, use uh, Kochte challenging and mm. uh, no other uh, sort of channels of change can be used. I think Tim Beck really thought in a different way for him Kochte therapy had more to do with uh, the underlying model and the schema therapy, mm. we still use the construct of it's schemas. It's still consistent. So it, yeah. 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 So for him, I mean, I mean, we, we are doing a, a form of cognitive therapy. Um, yeah. Something yeah. that evolved mm -hmm. out of that. Yeah. yeah. Which is true. And we do stand on that. Did, if we could just go along that with that theme for a while. Um, so what happened next? I guess I don't know that all of it, the listeners, you know, people realize this, but um, so I, uh, I've heard, you know, you ended up getting Jeff to come out to, to the Netherlands and to train up everybody for the ICT. Is How did right. that all unfold? Yeah, so uh, we had to find funding and uh, we finally got that. And uh, there were several rounds of uh, training of therapists because you have all this mess with RCTs that therapists uh, come and leave and uh, centers uh, join or leave the, the, the organization. So it was a, big of, a bit of a challenge, but anyhow. Uh, so we had this uh, comparison to uh, transference focused psychotherapy as an optimal uh, variant of uh, psychodynamic therapy, like schema therapy was considered to be the optimal variant of uh, Kochte therapy at that day. And that was in the 90s, I guess. Mm -hmm. So uh, we started with um, uh, some pilots and then the actual uh, treatment study started and uh, yeah at that day I was quite um, yeah although I was trained and also took part as a therapist uh, uh, in the schema therapy condition I was also um, uh, joining the training in uh, transference focused psychotherapy mm -hmm. and for me it was a matter of science so what outcomes best that would be uh, mm. my future orientation but it wasn't a TFP that came out of uh, so so Did it feel that way? I mean, if, if I was just, you know, we were thinking that, you know, if, if schema therapy was an inferior treatment, would you have gone with, what would you have, what would you have done next? You know, how would that I would probably uh, started to get more training in uh, TFP. Yeah. And then the further study. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I must say I was in, uh, in, uh, I was in a mi minority. I think most people, most therapists sort of are consider themselves, identify themselves with a specific model mm -hmm. and find it very difficult to change, yeah. which is, I think, 
understandable, but also a problem in the field because yeah. you get uh, almost an over-identification and uh, uh, therapeutic schools become sort of religions, etc. Mm. And that's not yeah. very good for science. Yeah. On the other hand, I, I understand you need yeah, to be really deep, uh, thoroughly trained in a an, in an, uh, therapy uh, method, uh, method and you need to sort of stick to the, the, the method. So, mm. and of course, you believe in the method helps as a sort of... Um, non-specific uh, uh, element of treatment helps also the patients but it's a dilemma for science it's not a very good idea to have uh, strong believers in uh, specific maybe treatment. especially at your level um Anud, when you're running the the trials uh it needs to be a little bit more objective yeah yeah exactly. it might be okay at the therapist level for those delivering the treatment but yeah, yeah, yeah. But then still, I mean, if it turns out that one uh, uh, treatment is better than the other, uh, in, in theory, therapists should change to the better <laughs> yeah. method. Is that what happened? And then like... they, there's a lot of resistance and they get mm. angry and they lost the battle <laughs> and blah, blah, blah. How did, how did that work? Like, I know we're probably going into something. I don't know how much you can talk about it. Um, I mean, what was the reaction? I mean, you must have been surprised by those results, to be fair. It's, th th these results are rare in uh, psychotherapy outcome studies, especially when you don't compare to it like a straw man treatment mm -hmm. to have yeah. such uh, powerful effects is uh, yeah. relatively rare. I mean, yeah. what was your reaction? How did you feel about it? What, what did you make of that? Um, well, I think by hindsight, it's, uh, it's understandable that uh, um, TFP, which is quite a sort of neutral uh, uh, treatment, uh, Focusing on the uh, transference and countertransference is a challenge for the uh, patient, also for the therapist, I think. But uh, and I think nowadays we and also TFP are learned change a bit. Uh, they need more reality in the relationship. They need more support, uh, less uh, neutrality. Mm. And there was also the thing that they uh, developed in the contract phase where they negotiate, well, negotiate, they almost tell the patient, uh, you should stick to these and these rules, like uh, you need to get a job, otherwise uh, the therapy will uh, become a mess, etc. Mm -hmm. And in that phase, uh, quite some patients dropped out uh, from uh, TFP. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't uh, an attempt to control the dropping, to reduce the dropping out of treatment in TFP, but... Uh, it turned out it uh, also causes uh, dropout. Mm -hmm. and, and, and in schema therapy, we are a little bit more, well, open or almost naive. We <laughs> think, okay, patients, uh, uh, we see people as good, basically good people, uh, human beings, and uh, we try to get them uh, involved in the therapy or uh, support. It doesn't mean that you never set a limit, but you don't start with a lot of limits and uh, yeah. a lot of... Uh, requiring that the patients mm. uh, uh, yeah. for you. It's almost like uh, when you uh, consider to take an orphan in your uh, family, um, the orphan wouldn't stick to uh, the house rules immediately. Yeah. It starts with, uh, it starts with right. love and care. Mm. And yes. then if you're in, then you have a leverage to set uh, limits. It's level not of respect. Yeah. It's a respect. And it's like similar to the phasing as well, like um, in schema, we'll put those more bigger behavioral things towards the back end of the treatment and those expectations more in like an autonomy phase um, yeah. and not expecting those things up front, like, like a ground rules or something. Yeah. 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 Exactly.
Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then you, this, we could, you know, have a like a four-hour conversation, but you, you clearly don't have the time for that. But we did want to um, sort of look at a little bit of your recent work. You know, you, you've there's been a lot of research streams that you've been involved with schema therapy, and one that we were particularly interested in helping, you know, uh, you know, clinicians get a, a get better grasp of was the recent international work group into the SMI and the development of the schema therapy model and some proposals that you came with that, and particularly the the idea of these new particular needs and and the possibility of three you know additional schemas now. I don't know. It's a, that's obviously a big, big piece of um, work and a lot of information. But is there anything you wanted to kind of comment on these new schemas and needs? Yeah. Yes, I think uh, uh, many clinicians uh, understand that these are issues they see in their patients. Let's, for instance, uh, have a look at the uh, the need for fairness, and this was not explicitly uh, formulated in uh, Jeff's uh, list of uh, needs. But we see many patients struggling with uh, things that were that happened in their childhood, for instance, or in their present life that are yeah. experiences very unfair, and they seem to have difficulties in uh, processing that. And um, so, the, the well, in in general, the reason what to do this was that there is a need for an, uh, a third generation of the schema mode inventory and. Uh, uh, creating an international work group with uh, people, I think uh, many are researchers, clinicians uh, in combination. Um, we decided that it is uh, good to have a look at the theory because that's the basis of uh, the schema, schemas and the schema modes and they are all related, etc. So um, looking at that, we came across uh, some uh, things that seem to be missing and fairness is uh, one of them. It was um, funny when, when, I, when I read it and, and I thought, that's, 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 that's absolutely correct. Yeah, I mean, so many times I've heard, it's not fair, it's not fair. And, you know, this, yeah, this you know, exactly. with kids and then suddenly like, oh, that, that makes so much sense. Yeah, yeah. And it's also interesting, I think, in a broader sense that we share this uh, need with uh, uh, higher developed animals. Capuchin that, monkeys. Uh, I've, seen, I've seen the clip. Yeah. yeah, you have to look at yeah. the clip. There are so funny uh, clips on the on the, on the YouTube, yep. and also of elephants, and it's it's very. It's so what are the elephants? Are, okay, so the capuchin monkey thing. We'll just quickly explain, and we'll put the link up on. Uh, yeah, we'll on, include on the site. It in the so basically, now. these there's this experiment, and you have to check it out. But basically, the, the, these monkeys, uh, you know. Uh, basically go off in anger when they don't get, you know, um, grapes versus, was it grapes versus Cucumbers. cucumber? Mm. You, I mean, I don't want to explain it more. You have to check it out. But uh, what is it about the elephants? I haven't seen that one. Well, the elephants have to uh, col uh, collaborate to uh, get some uh, uh, food. I think it's also, uh, and uh, one of them can't do it. So he has to convince the other uh, to collaborate. Yeah. And I think this is the answers uh, of this need. Uh, we need to collaborate to survive. And that, yes. that's the thing that we share with uh, other animals where individuals, mm. so it's not like a group of uh, fish or so. They, yeah. they, they, they form groups yeah. because it helps them to survive because it's very distracting mm. uh, when they are attacked, yeah. all these fish uh, swimming around. But here uh, we, um, we have to collaborate to get things like food or uh, protection uh, and this is collaboration between individuals. And uh, the idea is that uh, uh, 
uh, fairness versus the, the feeling of pain, emotional pain, if you are treated unfair, um, fuels, it stimulates uh, the collaboration. Yeah. And it, it, it's even shown with uh, chimpanzees that uh, the, the one who gets, without a specific reason, the rich foods, the calorie high foods, uh, and seeing that the other mm. gets only the cucumber, uh, refuses the high yeah. calorie food. It causes stress. So, mm. Yeah, it causes stress even in the in the in the guy or the, the lady that gets uh, the higher reward. Yeah. Um, and also, I think explains why uh, societies with uh, more equality have a higher level of happiness. Yes. Um, yes. I mean, it's almost obvious that 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 uh, for at least for human beings, there has to be a schema about this. There has to be yeah. some rule, something that uh, if it's violated, it triggers something. Uh, there has to be a script about about fairness. But what surprises me is how how early on this this thing exists in kids. If yeah. you ever treat kids unevenly about anything, about a lolly, about <laughs> about if I give my kid one gram extra of food yeah. or something. Oh, like the trigger, yeah. right? It's like the capuchin monkeys. No? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so how were you yeah, like, yeah. practically? Sorry, it's also so interesting because, uh, as you say, Rob, the primary emotion that is triggered by a violation of this need is anger. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, this is built in our system. So mm. if we experience unfairness, we, we get angry. Mm. Yeah, so, that's the primary. So that's like an angry why. child, essentially. Mm. Like an angry child, yeah. it's... Yeah. yeah, yeah, and this is central in this discussion of the model because some mm. people uh, conceptualize the angry child as a as a coping mode, mm. as if it's an uh, an uh, overcompensation of the vulnerable uh, child, and mm. I uh, disagree with that. I think anger can be a primary emotion, yeah. and when you are attacked, it depends on your uh, relationship to the attacker. If you're stronger, uh, you might fight. If you're weaker, mm. you freeze. That's all uh, inbuilt survival. But uh, in the fairness issue, it becomes very clear because there's only one primary emotion, and that's anger. So and I think it's not an it's not a coping mode. It's a primary. Absolutely, uh, I can't agree more. My, my uh, conceptualization. I can't yeah. agree more. And and the um, if I just and just to be clear for everybody, um, this is about economic fairness more or less. It's about yeah. resource allocation for um, for what you put in kind that's the kind of gist yeah it's not about sort of other things um it's well, like, what do you think attention yeah, or something not, is that what you mean also, attention yeah exactly. it could be it's also about attention mm -hmm. and it's also about um uh, punishment so it's not about yeah. only about rewards yeah so you see i mean we have this terrible war going on in europe now in the mm. ukraine and you see these interviews of people that are completely upset uh mm. being their bomb uh, shoot out of bombarded out of their yeah. houses i say um why is putin doing this they 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 it's so unfair we didn't do anything wrong so they yeah. feel yeah. being punished for uh, no reason yeah so it's yeah. also about that and uh, i think that's also what many people with uh, in the childhood if they're being uh, punished or abused they yeah. feel uh, also this as yeah unfair and if we track this back i mean i have my own experience with this schema like using it in therapy have you got some example of like a childhood memory like if you were to do a float back with this one or what might be a, a common Childhood memory uh, with this kind of schema. 
Um, I think things, it includes many things like being um, uh, hit or uh, being uh, uh, overruled. Uh, so let's say a child on the family table who uh, wants to uh, say something in, in the family discussion and is uh, shut down, can't, can't speak out. Mm -hmm. yeah. Or um, mm -hmm. social exclusion, which is also very painful, which yeah. is without reason. Uh, but it's the that, fairness uh, element. For some people, it's the fairness element which is most disturbing. Um, yeah. I, I've had people, for example, and I wonder what you think about this, um, who would go back to a memory like being, let's say, uh, Christmas time and uh, uh, to get a particular doll or something, and then the little brother cries, and so they take the doll off the, off the older child and give it to the little brother on Christmas yeah. Day. Yeah? yeah, This would be, you, what do you think? This is a, a good representation? Yeah, yeah, it's a good example. I mean, it's all in the experience in the end. If this, mm -hmm. this experience is uh, unfair, uh, it triggers this this emotional, it's a violation of this need. Yeah. 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 So, um, and it, it might seem a, a stupid, simple uh, example. Right? So you could wonder why is uh, this patient so upset about this? Um, but on the other hand, uh, this can be sort of become part of what we call our emotional memories. And mm. that uh, are very hot, uh, can be very potent. And uh, mm. people maybe not even uh, uh, sort of aware, being aware of it, might still respond very strongly to uh, perceptions of unfairness. And, uh, and how do you uh, see coping with this, Anud? Um, you know, in terms of, say, overcompensation, let's say, or avoidance. I mean, avoidance might be obvious, but um, have, you, have, you, have you guys thought that through as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, one of the uh, fascinating uh, uh, overcompensating or inversion, as we uh, mm. propose to call it, um, would be uh, an, um, an, uh, a predatory mode, which is strange because pre predatory mode seems strange. Predatory mode is an, uh, an, uh, a mode uh, for psychopathic uh, uh, individuals. It uh, describes a state of being where people uh, are cold-hearted uh, in their crimes, kill other people without any uh, mm -hmm. feeling. And um, it seems that uh, uh, the issue of uh, unfairness, or fairness if you wish, mm. is a very, very prominent in, uh, in uh, antisocial and um, psychopathic individuals. Mm -hmm. So it seems strange because in our view, they behave very unfairly to others. Interesting. But it is all related to this uh, obsession with fairness and their sort of mm -hmm. yeah, taking revenge or uh, mm, fighting yeah. for themselves uh, from the idea, if I don't do that, I will be treated unfairly again. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so in so, a way, they're uh, dishing out injustice. They, they, they are sort of the... The yeah, the, the 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 judge, executioner, everything in one. Yeah. So and that's really overcompensation in the sense it's not it's more than compensation. They go so far <laughs> yeah. that they start to behave themselves as. Uh, uh, do, you, do you want to comment on the other two? The other so there's two other schemas that are proposed. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 So, so the other thing that's uh, what we took from uh, um, Dweck's uh, theory on needs, he has formulated a theory that is uh, quite similar to uh, schema therapy uh, um, theory um, and uh, different from Jeff's uh, conceptualization. It's based on uh, an, 
Uh, well, it's a, it's a theory. Uh, Jeff made a list of needs in a sort of pragmatic way, uh, his understanding of the literature. And she proposed a more uh, comprehensive theory of needs, and she postulates a higher order needs, which she calls the needs for uh, self-coherence, or the need for self-coherence and a meaningful world. So she sort of merges the two, which describes uh, the a need that uh, uh, appears later in development, in childhood development, where um, we human beings uh, develop this, 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 this need, this almost necessity to understand ourselves and our emotions and our needs, and also understand our relationship with the outer world. Yes. And uh, because we have this higher level of cognitive functions, I think uh, we, our 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 awareness is sort of full of realization of what happens and uh, what we did, our what we feel ourselves, or what we do. And you have to make a sort of uh, yeah narrative of that, an understanding of that. It's like an existential and, kind of concept. Like, is that like a meaning of life type? concept do you think uh yeah yeah, yeah. but yeah. i think not in an in a sort of uh, philosophical sense so yeah. it's really uh, uh related to the self yeah. so it's yeah. related to emotions so yeah. if you feel <clears throat> if you can't make sense uh, of uh, your own behaviors yeah. um then you struggle uh, with the question why did i do this yeah. and you have yeah. lack of oh. self-coherence yeah, yeah. Okay. and um I, it reminds me of an, 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 a patient I'm treating at this moment who uh, grew up in an uh, environment where there was uh, lack of understanding of his uh, sexual identity and uh, he struggled to, uh, and it was a lot of, he uh, perceived, he experienced a lot of uh, rejection and uh, being bullied, etc. And um, he's, then at the moment, he tried to sort of, he, he felt very bad about himself as if he's a wrong uh, person. And then he started in, in his uh, adolescence to uh, sexually experiment. And he did things that he uh, found uh, uh, actually disgusting and uh, he didn't want to do it, but still he did it as a sort of self-punishment or whatever. I, I won't mm -hmm. go into the details, but the thing here is, he struggles with uh, this uh, integrating what he did in his um, self-understanding. Mm -hmm. So he lacks an integrated uh, self-identity. So And it doesn't make sense. So he walks around thinking, I, I don't understand this. This doesn't make any yeah. sense. Yeah. In addition to sense. the other schemas he has, there's yeah. this yeah. distress yeah. about a, this makes no sense. I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't understand why I did it. I, uh, it, mm -hmm. it when I think of it, I get, uh, uh, I, I feel very lost and very yeah. uh, lonely and very confused. Confusion. And yes. uh, I start to uh, uh, to uh, to uh, self injury myself to get out of this state. So yeah. he tries to avoid it as much as possible. But anyhow, um, so this is actually also something we see in borderline patients. Of course, is related to this uh, criterion of uh, identity uh, problems. Yeah. But also, I think in. Um, uh, dissociative identity disorder and in um, uh, maybe in schizoid and schizotypal. So these yeah. very severe uh, personality disorders yeah. that we sort of did not understand yet completely. 
from a schema therapy uh, perspective. So I think these these addition of these needs help to understand yeah. uh, the the yeah the areas the domains uh, of personal stuff. Can I run past you something? Yeah. Can I run past you a clinical example, like something concrete yeah. about the childhood? Like, hey, let's say person A, um, the father goes to prison when they're six years old or seven years old. Okay. Person B, also the father goes to prison. Okay. So there's a kind of abandonment schema that may, maybe is going to uh, yeah. be, an is- be an issue it's for both of them. But person A, they, they uh, ask questions, where's daddy going? What's happening? And, and they get access to a sort of narrative about this right? Uh, uh, a coherent narrative. So something yeah. like, you know, daddy, he's not a bad person, but he did something bad and, uh, you know, he has to pay the consequences. And that means, you know, you're only going to see him every now and then and you can visit in jail and he still loves you. And uh, mm-hmm. in the future, maybe he would come back and, yeah. and there would be access to a narrative. Person B, right, only gets access to maybe uh, we don't talk about this or this is shameful or uh, different narratives where one person says daddy was good and another person says daddy we don't talk about that or daddy was bad or something like not a coherent narrative or no narrative or no narrative um and so i would say person a they come out of this maybe with an abandonment schema but person b they come out of it with an abandonment schema and maybe this coherence kind of schema like i don't get it i don't even understand how i feel about this i don't understand the narrative i don't know is that a good example or yeah, I think that's a good example, and uh, I think you can even uh, sort of get a, the picture even more clear, um, because the idea of this uh, self-coherence and and uh, meaningful relationship to the world uh, need is that it's built upon the uh, more the, the needs that develop earlier in development. So, if there's an abandonment feeling uh, uh, triggered then it's also about how uh, in the family, for instance, uh, uh, this is um, uh, dealt with. Yeah. So if the, the child is sort of punished or rejected because uh, he or she expresses uh, this abandonment feelings, um, then uh, the child learns to suppress it, but uh, yeah. it makes it more difficult to uh, understand the the, in, the 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 emotional yeah. needs and the feelings yeah. uh, uh, to sort of satisfy this higher order need. Whereas if uh, the family would say yes, of course you feel uh, sad because daddy is gone, and and supports that, it's more easy to integrate this experience. Absolutely. So the so emotional the validation would be an issue there in terms of being able to kind of, you know, almost yeah. co-regulation and things like that. Yeah. yeah. And the need is something like to be able to, you know, to integrate information, self-referent information, emotional information about yourself in the world. This is integration essentially. Yeah. Yeah. What was the last, yeah. what was the last schema? Well, so the, so well, just before we do that, I just have yeah. one thing I have to yeah. say. Um, yeah. Schema therapy seems really well suited to this this schema, even in its current form, mm. a lot of clients come saying, "I don't understand, right? I don't get why yeah. I am the way I am, why I cope like this." So, uh, a lot of people, even with the standard schema therapy, uh, one of the things they come away understanding and saying, "Look at the formulation; it makes sense to me now." Mm. My experiences. W- what do you think exactly. about that, Anud? Yeah, exactly. So, I think we we know now from uh, our qualitative studies that patients. Uh, list uh, the schema mode model uh, as one of the most important elements of the therapy. Uh, 
uh, in the sense that it uh, gives them uh, metacognitive uh, understanding of the problems. It gives them uh, grip. And that's uh, exactly what you point out, Rob. I think this is uh, fulfilling the need for uh, uh, self-coherence. It's so useful I know, to be able to bounce this off you because I've been racking my brain about this for the last 12 months. So just to be able to check, <laughs> check in with you, check you know, in. am I on the right track with this? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying I have the ultimate proofs, but I, uh, I think you're on the right track. <laughs> good, good. Okay. What was the third one then? What was the, the, third, the, the third schema? Yeah, that's uh, an, uh, an, a meaningful relationship to the world, Yeah, okay. the outer world, uh, yep. including, of course, uh, other people. Yep. And so um, you see, of course, with some of your patients that they uh, express that they don't understand what is happening around them or they gave very uh, strange, magical uh, sort of explanations for that uh, in an attempt to, uh, to, to find this meaning. So... Um, this is something, uh, for instance, it's a typical uh, personality disorder where you get all these strange sort of uh, uh, explanations why things are happening. And as a therapist, you think, well, uh, this is accidental or this is uh, because you, uh, you, have, uh, you have been hurt in this uh, or that need and you have these emotions and it's not uh, uh, God punishing you or something like that. Uh, yeah. So um, this is an example that uh, uh, these these yeah people seek they try to find an an a meaningful relationship to uh, to uh, the outer world yep. and uh, if that's not really uh, developed in a functional way they get into troubles yeah so uh, this is something where we can perhaps uh, can help us to understand these more psychotic like um uh, long standing uh, problems but, uh, so when this one's triggered when like if i if you know, I'm just thinking about this. There's no meaningful world. Like, if this is triggered, what would be the affect, and and how does the schema show up? What does it look like? I think that uh, will be a feeling of uh, feeling lost, feeling uh, feel like a nihilistic um, kind of. What's the point? Yeah. That yeah. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, one, of course, one um, sort of natural response to that would be um, disconnecting to the uh, to the world and uh, um, yeah maybe getting very depressed yeah yeah, very yeah. this is yeah. also of course what we see in, in severe depression eh, that people yes. say they don't mm. see meaning in life yeah so you and would see that as some... related to the concept of meaning in life as well like when that need, need is met that means folks are experiencing more meaning in life yeah yeah. yeah, I guess right. so, yeah. yeah and the other right. thing uh, would be anxiety. Uh, so if, if the, uh, the world doesn't, yeah, if you don't relate any meaningful uh, relationship to, to the world, then it might be that the world is sort of unpredictable, full of possible threats. And, but it's a, it's a higher level than a direct threat. It's, uh, yeah. Difficult. It's a very it's so I mean, abstract. These last two are quite abstract. abstract. Yeah, yeah. It's it's both are quite abstract. But uh, if you think of, uh, about it, you you see your patients struggling with uh, yeah. uh, trying to understand themselves or trying to understand uh, the world and the relationship uh, with it. Yeah. But I I won't say that we uh, should move to focusing uh, mainly or only on these uh, higher level needs. What we see in practice 
is that if the more elementary needs are not uh, met in, in development, then um, it gets more, uh, the more that happens, the more that is the case, the more difficult it is for patients to uh, develop this uh, self-understanding or a meaningful uh, relationship that's the world. it i think that's what i got out of because I, I watched your presentation from isst and this is this is how i got interested in these so that's what i got out of your presentation i think that this uh, meaning meaningful world is really it's a higher order schema you could say almost a conditional yeah. schema you might it could be yeah. where the yeah. the others the other needs if they're unmet you know it, it may be enough of them you know, if you're disconnected from your community, you're disconnected from your family, you're disconnected from your friends, or you don't have a connection in, let's say, to autonomy or to competence, life becomes meaningless, and you have this experience like, what is the meaning of this? I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't have meaning anymore. Exactly. Yeah. Now, now we are, um, you know, look, we're all like kids in a can, in a, in a lolly shop. Like uh, we've got so much stuff to ask you, but um, we're going to switch tech now. We're going to go gonna switch, somewhere else. Yeah, look at some other stuff as well, because obviously we don't get this chance to talk to you very often. So, you know, you were a part of um, the recent um, investigation into DID and using schema therapy uh, into DID, and there are a lot of people that are interested, and particularly myself, um, interested in sort of trauma and particularly dissociative disorders and. You know, um, what was your experience working with this group? Because it sounds like you were, you know, part of the clinical, you know, using the, you know, applying the the, the treatment. You know, how yeah, did you find yeah. working it with these clients personally? Or was any pointers that you got from working with these these sorts of presentations? Yeah. So first, the personal actually, I treated one of the the patients in uh, in this uh, case study. So it's the first pilot in uh, in applying schema therapy in a little bit uh, modified form to uh, DID. And um, my personal um, experience was that that I felt uh, as lost in the beginning as I felt when I saw my, uh, I had to treat my first uh, patients with borderline personality disorder, yeah. and that. Uh, well, that's about 25 or 30 years ago or so. Yeah. Um, and at that date, I didn't have any, uh, I didn't know what borderline personality disorder was. It was a label uh, that was not explained in my training in psychology. Mm -hmm. The only personality disorder that was covered was uh, that day was antisocial personality disorder. Uh, it was used in a very uh, negative sense. So yeah. don't try to, uh, to heal, to treat these patients. It's impossible. Um, so don't spend uh, energy on them. So I got fascinated. So that's why I developed my, uh, that's the preparation of uh, the schema therapy path that I followed. In the yeah. And I felt as lost with the, these DID patients. I never had uh, uh, treated one before. Yeah. And uh, the people, um, one of the persons who started this uh, project is Rafaela Hunchens. She's not a clinical psychologist. She studies uh, memory. Uh, in DID for a long time, and she mm -hmm. found out that uh, there is no memory barrier uh, between the, 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 the identities, if you wish, and that is claimed by uh, some of the theorists, and uh, that makes uh, some people very angry. She did an enormous number of experiments showing that uh, the memory in different identities uh, is not uh, impaired, as something yeah. you you learn in one identity, you can reproduce an identity too. Nevertheless, these people report that. So, and she thought, okay, 
uh, talking with Marlene Rijkenboer, and then I got involved. Let's uh, reconceptualize these, these identities as extreme forms of schema modes. And that's actually something that Jeffrey Young also suggested a long yeah. time ago. And, and then, uh, so let's tell these patients, well, your identities are actually modes, and we uh, make an, uh, an, uh, a model of that uh, case conceptualization. You place identities in the modes, and then we apply uh, schema uh, therapy based on the mode model. Um, that was uh, naive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it seemed so, seemed easier on paper. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I yeah. think in, in my patient, which which in the end was a treatment success, um, uh, uh, I think she still uh, sort of feels um, these identities are a sort of identities. So although she uh, she uh, she went with the schema therapy model and she also started to talk about modes, she could in parallel to the still talk about identities. Yeah. So uh, this idea that we can sort of, you know, educate these people, your identities are just uh, extreme manifestation of uh, schema modes, it didn't work. So the but idea we, would be, I mean, the idea at least postulate was to collapse the identities into modes. So you might have had six, yeah, six, 16 different identities, but of them, there would be a, a group of those identities yeah. that would represent a punitive critic or a detached yeah. protector yeah. or an angry yeah. child. Yeah. 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 And actually, that uh, that is a very easy uh, thing to do. It, it yeah. fits. Most of the these identities are clearly a uh, subform and a part of a mode. So you yeah. have this many uh, vulnerable child uh, identities, and uh, there is one or several punitive uh, identities, et cetera, et cetera. So, and then the other thing uh, that I struggled with, but um, um, well, yet it was successful, is what What do you do when you have these severe uh, uh, dissociative uh, reactions in your uh, therapy room, in your session? So you had this patient first walking uh, the room, uh, just collapsing on the mm. staircase and pulling down for <laughs> yeah. yeah. one uh, and, and, and being sort of in a pseudo seizure or whatever, yeah. or yeah. Uh, running out of the room and running on the street. And I said, should I run after her or should I yeah. stay in the room here? Yeah. <laughs> it's almost like those moments. Getting out of conscience and yeah. then lying on the floor. And I had to see another patient. Well, in the end, I uh, decided to write a note and leave that with her yeah. and to another room and call the patient and say, okay, take care. Nothing, it's not serious. You just lost conscience and I'll see you next week and uh, next session. But anyhow, so it was so difficult. And uh, I don't know. But, but I think the thing that uh, made the difference was uh, just uh, continue on the, in the model. Just continue... Yeah trying to use these uh, these techniques and especially the experiential techniques yeah. so for instance she had these pseudo hallucinations she sat in a room and she said uh, i'm bleeding i'm bleeding ow 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 and she said there are uh, triangles flying in the room yeah uh, uh, attacking my body uh, and uh, uh, she experienced that so yeah and the usual, she lived in a sheltered uh, housing with uh, a lot of care around that at that date. Now she is, uh, she left that uh, facility, so she really uh, developed. But anyhow, um, the usual approach was to say there is nothing, I don't see anything, uh, uh, stop with uh, uh, thinking that there are flying objects in the room. So um, 
what I did for, what I did was just go with this sort of childish uh, dreamlike uh, uh, image that's the experience yeah. Yeah. and say okay let's uh, let's use our guns and shoot them out of the air yeah. so that's yeah. what we did yeah right right so that's so interesting so, Anud. yeah so because... I, I didn't yeah I didn't directly uh, how would you say that but like you would I didn't challenge uh, the, the, yeah. the, the the you the, engage the, with her imagery. Yeah. Yeah, it's very similar with it as imagery, really. To be fairly yeah. creative, you know, and, and yeah, all, you, you, know, have to be, your you, to, you have to be so creative. <laughs> <laughs> and also, personally, I mean, mm. I'm also a scientist, so I'm quite rational. Yeah. So mm. I had to uh, inhibit my uh, tendency to be rational in this. I just had yeah. to yeah. Yeah. Grow, yeah. grow with the chaos. <laughs> yeah. But in yeah. the end, it was fun. Yeah. 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 And you yeah. thought that it helped in the end? I mean, um, it sounded like one of the positive cases. Yeah, 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 yeah. She's, uh, it's very interesting. She's also interviewed by uh, the uh, one of the researchers and not by me about the therapy because she felt so uh, satisfied that she would uh, like to uh, help to uh, sort of, yeah, uh, inform therapists or uh, patients. Um, it's not on the internet because uh, it's a limitation, but uh, yeah. maybe we could organize if people are interested for the ISSD and uh, how would you say that? A sort of closed meeting. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. allowed for conferences, etc. And uh, she's interviewed about uh, all kinds of things uh, about the therapy. Oh, that'd be awesome. For instance, yeah, another interesting thing is you know, the traditional approach in the Netherlands is a sort of what they call integration therapy or something like that. Uh, before trauma processing, uh, they feel that all the identities have to be uh, integrated and uh, otherwise uh, it's impossible to do trauma treatment. And um, this is, uh, was this emotional strong discussion with these people about uh, the punitive parts. So we said these punitive parts should be uh, expelled from the system. Mm -hmm. and we fight them and we send them away. Yep. And, um, they said no. That's uh, that's uh, wrong, and uh, they should be integrated. Yeah. And, uh, mm -hmm. This is also a discussion we have with uh, TFP people. It's uh, very yeah. similar. Yeah. They feel integration should be done, and we think, well, there are internalized parts that we better uh, push uh, out of the system as much as possible. And anyway, she comments that she uh, was very effective uh, to uh, uh, send this uh, part away. Really? Okay. Yeah, so this, no. this, is this is the sort of thing. Yeah. This is the sort of thing we need to hear. I think. Very yeah. informative for an, uh, from a patient point of view yeah. to hear how she experienced uh, the schema therapy. Yeah. 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 I love that, and and um, I love what you said too about it was both you were very lost at the start and maybe overwhelmed. Maybe, I don't want to put yeah. words in your mouth, but also by the end the client had some positive outcome, but it didn't look like her not having alters and 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 parts she still had this right um well they sort of slowly disappeared yeah. the punitive part uh, uh, as a as a alter uh, disappeared completely wow in one uh, session we uh, in imagery we put them in an in an uh, in a cupboard and and uh, close it and set the cupboard oh. in fire it was very <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. wow <laughs> But that was uh, actually the uh, the thing, and um, that part threatened uh, her and her uh, child identities to put them in the, in the cupboard and, and burn them. So we we did the opposite. And in the in the interview, she explains how this helps. Uh, 
So it completely went. But some of the child identities sometimes pop up. Yeah. yeah. But okay. I don't know. She can live with it. And yeah. She, uh, so so what you did actually get reduction in certain toxic identities. These yeah. these were not troubling her too much, or sometimes even gone. Uh, was she still getting dissociative behavior, like other identities popping up? And uh, I imagine. Yeah, sometimes she can switch into a uh, sort of childish uh, state. I think the yeah. others are uh, are gone. Yeah, right. Um, so you just get this overall reduction in in dissociative symptoms. Uh, and more not, integration. And, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> also, these other kinds of these pseudo hallucinations and these yeah. uh, falling on the floor and yeah. uh, that's fun. Seizures and things. Yeah. Well, let's yeah. make a little pivot, Anud, because you bring up this thing about working with, I think, you know, butterflies or uh, images in the head, you know, in the air. There isn't some connection to psychosis here yeah. as well. Okay. And also talking about the other needs, right? This need for meaning in life and so there's, what are your thoughts on that? I'm really fascinated about this. Like, as we go more into working with borderline clients and more dissociation, the parallels with yeah. psychosis start to open up. I wonder what you think about that. Yeah. So uh, this this client, uh, this sort of pseudo-psychotic uh, phenomena and the whole DSM and disorders came along. So including, uh, yeah, she was hospitalized many times. And so because of these, you wonder what is the exact border between psychosis and these kind of dissociative uh, phenomena maybe there isn't so um, i'm not talking about an acute psychosis uh, crisis thing but yeah. let's say uh, in the in the patients with more uh, chronic psychosis and personality problems i think it will be very very important to try out to pilot uh, schema therapy there and to further mm -hmm. develop it mm -hmm. i think it's one of the top priorities for uh, the research agenda. Yeah. 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 We, we did a very small pilot study a couple of years ago with delusional clients in, uh, yeah. in an inpatient ward, and we found yeah. evidence for a model of delusionality as a coping, as a coping function yeah. Yeah. as well. Have you yeah. seen that kind of thing where people get in a delusional state or in a mo kind of mode, you could think, where they're preoccupied with a theme um, and it can look quite mode-like as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had a patient this is a long time ago, so that was pre-schema therapy. But I had a patient who uh, developed. Well, actually, now it comes to mind that my uh, pilot patients for the borderline trial also temporarily uh, developed a uh, delusion. Delusion. And uh, yeah, yeah. So it, it was obviously there in uh, response to uh, some painful thing. Yeah. So it's coping. Yeah, you are. You're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, the, but we don't know uh, too much about this. But I think as clinicians, if you work with these folks, you would notice it every now and then. Yeah, and well, it's important because delusions are very difficult to treat. Yeah? So, if we could uh, develop schema therapy methods to uh, to address it, yeah, that would be very helpful. Sorry, Chris. I was going to say, look, because we're aware of the time, and and we know that we we our time is running out soon. We, we would love to keep talking um but you know we're both trainers and skin therapists and supervisors and you know obviously it'd be nice to sort of get a sense of what advice you would you know want to uh, give to those learning the model you know are there any specific themes that you notice that hamper newly trained clinicians or you know what what and also secondly you know what do trainers need to do to convey um, you know, the research in, in a better way or are there any particular themes? 
Uh, yeah, so I think the, the, the in, in, in Chinese, one of the difficult things is to uh, properly understand what the meaning of uh, limited reparenting is. So in the sense that uh, I think many trainers stress the importance of uh, warmth and taking care of the uh, client, etc. But as in real parenting, uh, you also need to be able to confront patients and yeah. uh, not punish them, but uh, confront them and gentle or empathic yeah. and also be able to set limits. Mm -hmm. And this is something uh, and we saw in our group uh, treatment study that uh, things can really get ugly if mm -hmm. uh, you are not able to set limits. Because in a group, yeah, you get this, in, the whole group gets infected, etc. It's very vulnerable. So that that's extremely important. So I think trainees should really, in role plays, uh, be able to set. Some more of the bad cop kind of scenario. I mean, that's the thing. Obviously, as us therapists, we tend to kind of want to be nurturing and we might be drawn to it, but the sort of setting limits and saying yeah, no. Yeah, and the traditional, the traditional uh, gender division of parents. Uh, yeah. The therapist should be a father and a mother in, yeah. in, in, in person. It's a very hard thing to teach as well, Arnold. Uh, it's, to, when I come across this, it's almost always um, to do with our own schemas. You know, yeah. so there's some work to do on that. Like, it's not something you can quite teach, you know, in a, in a, in a class. It's some process that uh, has to happen. Yeah. So then uh, there need to be some personal work to be done if that's the case. Uh, and not because in general, uh, self-therapy is necessary to become a good therapist. But here it's related to the applying this uh, therapy. So it gets very important. Yeah. yeah. Good, yeah. good idea, Rob. Yeah. 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 And the other uh, part of your question, Chris, whether there are um, specific yeah. issues yes, on the research agenda. Yeah. That, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think one one uh, uh, important issue is uh, uh, um, finding out what is better or what is better for whom individual schema therapy or the combination of group and individual. Okay. And we had just this study published uh, that shows, at least in borderline personality disorder, you better combine group with individual schema therapy than predominantly group. That is yeah. not a good option. Um, but then the, the study couldn't answer the question uh, whether individual, how individual compares to uh, the combination of group and individual. And yeah. You can list arguments for both options, uh, but it's an, in the end an empirical question. Yeah. And uh, in the, at least in the Netherlands, we have a, a lot of pressure to put everybody in groups because uh, it's viewed as more cost effective, as more efficient. But if uh, it leads to high dropout or people are not um, uh, recovering well, uh, it doesn't. It's not helpful in the end. So we need we need to uh, to study that. And the other thing uh, thing uh, is, I guess, uh, studies in areas that are uh, sort of yeah on the border so far of uh, our inclusion exclusion criteria. Yeah, we we discussed uh, psychosis, that's yeah. a, a typical exclusion criteria. Yeah. Yet these patients with combined personality problems and psychotic uh, problems are yeah. there. So. Yeah. That, that kind of patients need attention. Yeah. Severe eating disorders, anorexia, et cetera. We mm -hmm. just have a pilot study finished uh, applying imagery scripting for PTSD treatment in people underweight, and it works. Um, so uh, these are all kinds Inter of- Intellectual disability? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. good point. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah, it's also work being done there, but mm. it's a it's a need. Yeah, you're mm. right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's yeah. that that's. I mean, for for the you know um, scientists, you know, new PhD students looking for topics, these are the edges. Look at looking at that typical exclusion inclusion criteria and uh, finding the edges of this. Yeah, autism, which is very very often used as an exclusion criteria or as an uh, attribution of lack of. Uh, uh, progress it must be because uh, uh, the patient is autistic well there's also a case study done there uh, two-thirds uh, response well and if anything the experiential techniques have more effects than the cognitive techniques so um, these are all ideas in our minds and that's nice thing of research. how cool it is, though, is. Arnold, yeah. how cool it is that we're at this stage now where these these are the questions and yeah. given your career and you starting off your career in this place where you 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 felt lost seeing borderline clients in that lecture theater maybe doing your masters or uh, something like this now we're at a place where we feel much more comfortable seeing these clients yeah you know? and a lot of that's to do with the research yeah you know, it made uh, me think when you said that before when you had your colleague or your superior saying don't worry about wasting time working with these sorts of clients and to be honest with you this is the, the, your contribution has massively changed that uh, you know, in terms of so, again, we're back to thanking yeah. you. <laughs> you know, these are not I'm the sort of unhelpable clients anymore. And, no, um, it's got options. And then I also think it's interesting how now you start again, and then you started treating a DOD clients with the model yeah. uh, at this stage. That's kind of interesting, funny too. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. Anud, thanks so much, mate, uh, for for uh, coming on on board and and uh, letting us uh, drill you about research and practice uh, about schema therapy and other things. Um, yeah. We absolutely love talking to you. We be greatly appreciate your time. We really do. We'll tap your shoulder in another year or two and see what's happening or there's new things. But uh, thanks so much for coming on. on. Yeah, really it was a pleasure. It was a pleasure, absolutely. And uh, make a new appointment if you, uh, you want me for another interview. Oh, oh, we would love that. We would love that. Okay. And, and what we'll do, we'll also in the in the session, in the in the show notes, the liner notes, we'll we'll put in that those studies that we mentioned as well. And uh, links to the Capuchin know, monkeys. Yeah, the computer monkeys and, and maybe the elephants. And look up the, the elephants. elephants. Have a look at the elephants. Excellent. Okay. Uh, Arnold, would you be going to the conference later in the year, ICST conference? Yeah, I will be awesome. in uh, Copenhagen. Yeah, that's awesome. Hopefully, we'll see you then. Hopefully, we'll see you then. Excellent. See you Thank Take you, Arnold. Take care. Bye. Excellent. Bye. 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 Bye.